Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse newsletter. Today with me is Kevin Tubbs, the Vice President, Chief Ethics, Compliance, and Sustainability Officer of Oshkosh Corporation. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for taking some time today. Hello, Ben. Good to be with you here today. I appreciate it. And for those who may not know or may confuse the company with another one that has Oshkosh in its name, tell our folks what Oshkosh Corp does. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, a lot of folks uh, do confuse us since there are two companies that are both American icons that were at one time at least headquartered in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oshkosh Corporation is a 100-year-old company based in Oshkosh, Wisconsin that provides specialty vehicles. So things like wheeled tactical vehicles for the Department of Defense and, and our allies. We're the largest fire truck manufacturer in the country under the brand name of Pierce. We sell refuse vehicles and concrete mixers under the brand name of McNeilis. And our largest division is our access division where we sell telehandlers, boom lifts, scissor lifts, those type of things that help people work safely at heights under the JLG brand. So a lot of big equipment, a lot of things that move people and cargo and commerce uh, around the world. So about an $8 billion publicly traded company here in Wisconsin. And what sparked your interest to have a career in ethics and compliance? If you can, describe the path you took that led you to Oshkosh. That's kind of an interesting question, Ben, because I took what I would view as somewhat of an unusual path to ethics and compliance. I'm a chemical engineer by formal training. Most of my career has been in environmental affairs, environmental compliance, and sustainability. And I was fortunate to work for some very large companies where ethics and compliance were important components of the company. Early on in my career, I worked for Exxon, and Exxon at the time, a lot of very strict rules and regulations around gifts and entertainment compliance type issues. Later on, I worked for American Standard and Train Company and Ingersoll Rand Company. Most of the career around environmental compliance and most of it is part of a corporate legal department. In 2012, I came to Oshkosh and that was after my careers back on the East Coast. And while I was back on the East Coast also, I should mention I was involved in politics somewhat. I was a office holder back in New Jersey, a mayor of a town. So got a little bit of an education on uh, the importance of ethical behavior there also. But when I came out to Oshkosh in 2012, it was to head up the environmental and sustainability function here at Oshkosh. And we built that program for the company here. And then about two years ago, the opportunity arose to lead the ethics and compliance function here in addition to the sustainability work that we've been doing. There was already a solid team in place We had a good track record as a company, so I jumped on that opportunity. I think it was a great opportunity for me, and I've been privileged to lead the environmental compliance function here at Oshkosh since that time. That must have been very interesting to be a mayor of a town in New Jersey and how that has impacted your view on ethics and compliance. Anything you learned from that that you might be able to share of how that's shaped what you do now? Well, I think that 
you know, being in the public eye is certainly something that I learned there. One of the funny stories when I had uh, some young children when I was the mayor of the town, Chatham Township, New Jersey. And I remember one of the former mayors coming up to one of my children and saying, now you, everyone in town is going to know your name and know your, your dad's daughter. And that's true. You're in the public eye. And I always took that seriously. And so whenever there was any kind of an opportunity raised, and what I mean by that is saying that uh, even to get together for a lunch or something else like that, I'd always put myself in the position, well, do I want to even give this slight appearance of not being focused on what I needed to do for the community and, and would turn those kind of opportunities down. So it did give me a little bit of exposure being in the public eye that way, but it was a, it was an interesting opportunity I had and one I, I definitely enjoyed. LRN recently had our 25 and Beyond event, and you were there and spoke about Oshkosh's people-first culture. Can you uh, tell our listeners what that means and how you meld that into what happens to each employee every day at work? Sure. Oshkosh, as I mentioned, has been around a long time and I think has been considered for a very long time to be an ethical company and, and a company that was built on what I guess I'd refer to as Midwestern values. Approximately four years ago, Wilson Jones became our CEO. And one of Wilson's primary messages was that we were going to be a people-first company that made a positive difference in the lives of our employees, of our customers, and the communities that we operate in. And what that basically, Wilson didn't define what People First was, but allowed those of us that worked here to to define People First for ourselves and to kind of figure it out, figure out what does People First mean. And for me, it was if we if we treat our people right, if we treat people with respect, and we expect them to treat each other the way they should be treated, then things will flow from that. Financial results will follow and will be a, a place where people want to work and, and where people are expected to do the right thing. And from day one, I would say ethics was a, was a bedrock of that people-first culture that we have here that we're trying to build uh, at Oshkosh Corporation. How is it actually embedded and how do you discuss it to employees? What are some of the ways you transmit those messages? We talk about it a lot. That's that's one of the first things. You know, you want the tone set at the top, and Wilson talks about it. Our other leaders talk about it. We talk about it at, at global town halls that we have. We talk about it in writing, whether it's in our Oshkosh Today or, or other documents that we put out. Kind of a, a good story, a good example of where we talk about it was that we had a leadership summit, Ben, here last fall where we had approximately 300 of the top leaders of our company get together. And we had done a lot of work in the company in the last year, rebranding some things around the company and also restated our corporate values to values that we could talk to on a regular basis and that really resonated and meant something around us. So now we have four core values in our company and there we put people first, we do the right thing, we persevere, and we're better together. And we think those four values are, are what we can build on. And at this leadership meeting, each of our four segment presidents, when they got up to address the group, they each took one of our core values and they presented just on that, just talked about that core value, how important it was to them and to their organization and what their expectations were around 
that core value. And that was just a powerful message how our upper management is talking and telling the other leaders of the company what their expectations were and how they expected them to act and to to meld this into their cultures every day. So it's it's things that we keep front and center as we go forward and really fits in well with the people first culture. And how does that emphasis get driven down into middle managers, supervisors, and then into the employees and what role or importance do the middle managers play in all of that? Well, a middle manager is critical in what we're talking about because when we talk about tone at the top, sure, it starts in the C-suite. It starts with the the chairman and on down, but it also, for people who are on our production floor, tone at the top means their team leader or the person that, that's in charge of them in any given day, their leadership. And so first they have to see their leadership exhibiting people first and ethical behavior, and then also talking about it. So a a big emphasis we have here in the company right now is around frequent, meaningful conversations between leaders and, and the people on their teams. And we talk about also looking to make sure that ethics and compliance are some issues that get talked about. We've given people first training to our top leaders and also now rolling that out to our middle leadership to make sure that the messaging is consistent. And it takes a while. We're not perfect at it yet. And, you know, the further you get out into the organization, you still have some pockets where we, there's still training to be done. You know, we're still continuously improving as we go along, but it's trying to make sure that message gets down to people. And then in all these frequent, meaningful conversations we have, they're hearing about people first, they're hearing about ethics and compliance. And then like most other companies our size, we also provide them with different ways that if they do see something that they need to report or something's of concern, they can either go to their team leader or they can go to human resources or they can go to our helpline. But there are ways that they can go and they can bubble that up if if they need to do that. So it's also providing them those different outlets that they can take advantage of. Sure. And the workplace obviously is being transformed through diversity, inclusion initiatives, and a blending in of machines and technologies to work alongside people. So how can ethics and compliance teams work to minimize disruptions to the employees involved while maintaining compliance and building strong cultures? And what role can the board and executive leadership play in in setting that standard? Well, that's a very good question. And I think you know, while there's no silver bullet to that, you know, there's always going to be business decisions. And we get those kind of questions sometimes, Ben. It can be, well, either let's say we were going to move a facility or you're going to shut down a facility or you're moving in other equipment into a facility. You know, how can you do that and still be people first? How can you do that and still be ethical? Being ethical or being people first doesn't mean that you don't at times need to make hard business decisions. You do need to make hard business decisions, but what it means, I think, is that you're considering the people when you're making those decisions. You're looking at how it's going to impact on people. You're looking to try to make those decisions where you're treating people with respect. One of the things that we try to do, and I know a lot of companies are, so let's say there's a technology and maybe you don't need as many assemblers as you might have needed before, but you do need welders or you need painters, you need something that's got an extra skill to it. So you try to work with your 
workforce, your team members, and to try to see if you can't retrain those people to do something which actually has more value, potentially is more rewarding for them, both financially and from their own personal perspective. But you're doing that, so you're you're making those changes, you're building in those technologies, but you're still keeping the people in mind. And I think that's part of the way that you, you know, there's no perfect answer to it, but I think that's that's what we're trying to do here. So let's get you out of here with this final question. Tell us about a time when you or you and your team faced a hardship related to ethics and compliance, what you did to uh, deal with that situation, what you learned from it, and how that lesson shapes some of what you do today in your current role. Well, I think what I'd like to do is to share a story with you, and and it might not be quite on point with what your question is, but I I think it's valuable to people. So shortly after I got into this role, I went out to one of our businesses, and and we were really trying at the time to make sure we were getting across the message that we wanted people to speak up when they saw something that just wasn't right, and we wanted them to, when they saw something, say something about conditions that they saw out there. And I learned about a situation where we had a, a worker, one of our team members, who was leaving the facility for the day and went through the turnstile we had and was staggering and fell and then got up and and staggered off to his car and drove away. And this looked very, very strange. Well, fortunately, we had someone there who saw this happen and went into our human resources people and said, hey, look, you know, I saw this person and this is what happened. And I don't want to get him in trouble or anything, but I, I just needed to speak up. I needed to say something. So our human resources people, we had security video there, took a look at it. Indeed, that is what happened and called the gentleman in and just talked to him and said, hey, you've been feeling all right, lady, everything going all right? And he said, well, not really. He said, I, I've just been feeling there's something wrong. And I've been you know, having balance issues and some other things going on. And But I just, I don't want to take time off. I don't want to go to the doctor. And they, they said, well, you're going to the doctor now. You've got to get this taken care of. Long story short, he went in and they found he had a brain aneurysm. And they took him into surgery almost immediately. And fortunately, he's on the road to recovery now. And things are good because someone spoke up, because someone said something. And while they hesitated initially because you're concerned about not getting your, your fellow person in trouble, you know, they did, and they saved the man's life. And we've used that story when we talk to people about overcoming your fear and speaking up when you see something because, you know, it's not necessarily to get somebody in trouble or worrying about some of those different kind of characteristics that you look at when you speak some up, but you could be saving somebody's life when you do that. And so it's really helped us try to learn by telling stories, learn by trying to use examples of how if people get involved and people start to take care of one another, it builds for a better culture and a more ethical culture. So that's something we've tried to utilize and let people know that it's okay to speak up when uh, the situation arises. That's a very powerful story and a great way for us to finish up here. I want to thank you for uh, taking time to uh, talk to us today and I appreciate it and look forward to what you guys do next at Oshkosh. Thank you so much, Kevin. Anytime, Ben. Appreciate the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.